Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I provide my articles in audio form so that you can listen instead of read if that is your preference. My hope is that for the next 20 minutes or so, you're going to get out of your chair and you're going to do something active, whether it's taking a walk, jumping on a rower, getting on a bike or otherwise, and you listen to my following article, if we don't do something about workplace burnout, severance will be the new quiet quitting. And if you'd like to read while you listen, you can go to optimizeyourself.me slash severance. For those uninitiated, here is the simplest way to describe the nuanced brilliance that is the Emmy-nominated Apple Plus series Severance. Severance is office space meets 2001 A Space Odyssey meets The Shining. It is clearly a risky concept, hence why it probably took creator Dan Erickson and executive producer director Ben Stiller years to receive a green light. But in hindsight, it's obviously a gamble that's paying off, judging by all of the Emmy nominations for its first season. If Severance continues to consistently be this engaging, riveting, and mind-bending with its original story and its crisp writing, its on-point performances, and most importantly, its crawl into your brain and live there while you sleep tone, upon the series' completion, Severance is going to be in the same conversation as Breaking Bad. And yeah, I said it, bookmark it. This, however, is where my severance review both begins and ends, because anybody who's already seen the show knows how mind-blowing it is. I'm not here to write about how brilliant severance is. I'm here to write about how terrifying severance is. And I'm not talking about terrifying like jump scares, hallucinations, and bizarro dance sequences that are set to defiant jazz. I'm talking terrifying like severance belongs in the documentary category instead of psychological thriller. Many have already written about how severance is one possible version of a dystopian workplace future. I am here to argue that severance is not only a dystopian portrait of our future, in many ways we are already there. 
Because if we don't do something about the rampant epidemic of workplace burnout in our post-pandemic reality, severance is going to become our new version of quiet quitting. All right, first things first, what is severance? For those that are not already familiar, the series Severance is based upon the medical procedure of the same name, whereby a person undergoes an elective brain operation that severs their personal self from their work self. It is the very literal version of work-life balance, whereby your quote-unquote Audi, which is the technical term as coined in the series, has no memories of what is happening at work, and your innie begins as a blank slate with no previous memories or original ideas of its own, and has no clue if outside of the office they have a family family, hobbies, or any life whatsoever. Simply step into the elevator, close the doors to the outside world, and say goodbye to the other half of your life. Upon electing the procedure, all patients must recite the following. I have of my own free accord elected to undergo the procedure colloquially known as severance. I give consent for my perceptual chronologies to be surgically split, separating my memories between my work life and my personal life. I acknowledge that henceforth my access to my memories will be spatially dictated. I am aware that this alteration is comprehensive and irreversible. I make these statements freely. So why in the world would someone voluntarily elect to undergo severance? Not one but two supporting characters ask this exact question of the title character, Mark, who is played brilliantly by Adam Scott, who chose to have the surgery after losing his wife in a car accident. Did you ever think that maybe the best way to deal with a fucked up situation in life isn't just to shut your brain off half the time? And you could get married and have kids and forget they exist for eight hours a day for your whole life. That doesn't mess with your head. And as Mark responds, I think for some people, that's the point. For those already arguing that this medical procedure doesn't exist, you are correct, technically, but we are a lot closer to literal severance than you might think. If your counter-argument is that severance could not conceivably become a reality because it's quote-unquote just to show, imagine thinking upon its initial release that the extreme level of violence in a clockwork orange could never become everyday reality. Um, have you watched the news lately? or that a film like Idiocracy only serves as absurdist comedy as opposed to being a documentary spanning the years 2016 to present day, or, well, three words, A Handmaid's Tale. All I'm saying is that be careful thinking a show like Severance is simply mindless entertainment, pun intended. My argument is not that we can literally undergo the same neurological procedure as depicted in the show. My argument is that in many ways we are already severed without needing any procedure at all. And quiet quitting barely scratches the surface of what we are doing to escape the misery of our work. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found 
bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash Topo. That's T-O-P-O. We already define ourselves by our jobs. From literally the very first line of dialogue spoken at the opening of the series, who are you? it is clear the theme of the show will be personal identity. Upon waking up in a bland, lifeless, and nondescript conference room, think Kubrick's take on Mad Men, it is clear that we have been thrust directly into the point of view of the newest addition to Lumen Industries, Heli R, played by Britt Lauer. Having just been severed, she has no memory of who she is or how she got there. Her mind is essentially a blank slate. So how does this relate to our present workday, given that none of us have ever woken up in a conference room with no clue of how we got there? Well, except for maybe the next morning after that one holiday party. Picture the last time that you went to a live networking event or an industry panel or a mixer. What is the same first question that everybody asks ad nauseum over and over and over and over and over to begin the conversation? So what do you do? We literally define our first impression of others by what they do. We would never begin a conversation with, tell me about yourself. What do you believe in? Or even something as simple as, what are you interested in? Because we no longer know how to talk about our lives outside of work, and mostly because we don't have any. Furthermore, it's not just that we find it easy to define others by the work they do, it's also how we define ourselves. In my Optimizer Coaching and Mentorship Program, I have workshopped countless creative resumes, biography paragraphs for LinkedIn, and about pages on portfolio websites that begin with some variation of, my job as an insert the blank here, it isn't just what I do for a living, it is who I am. Stop! We are not our jobs, and we should not define ourselves by the work that we do. Let me say this again. We are not our jobs. Yes, our work should fulfill us. Yes, we should dedicate large amounts of our focus and energy to our craft. And yes, we should be proud of our contributions to society. But ultimately, our lives will likely be filled with regret if upon our deathbeds, our only contribution to society was based on our level of productivity. While I don't believe that quiet quitting is the answer, there has to be a middle ground. As stated in my podcast interview with best-selling author Greg McEwen, nobody asks to have the following etched onto their tombstone. 
they checked email. Unfortunately, when our identity is tied to our jobs, the quality of our mental and physical health is dependent on how well things are going at work. And when things aren't going well, for example, how much did you really relax the last time you were unemployed? We will do anything to escape the drudgery of our existence. We already take extreme measures to separate work and life. Once a new Lumen employee has overcome the sheer terror of waking up in a conference room with no memories or identity, they are then further onboarded into their respective department by watching a video of themselves voluntarily agreeing to be severed. It is made abundantly clear to every Lumen any during their first day that their severance procedure was the voluntary choice of their Audi. Despite not understanding how they got there, they are left holding the emotional weight of accepting that they themselves erected the freshly minted prison walls that surround them in the form of cubicle separators by choice. At this point, they have two options. One, accept that this is just how it is and become part of the machine. Or number two, do everything humanly possible to drown out the guilt and shame of allowing themselves to become a prisoner in somebody else's dream. No different than the severed workers at Lumen, we too as a society have found countless ways to sever our work lives from our home lives. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, porn, food, or any other number of unhealthy addictions, we do everything we can to minimize and drown out the voices in our heads that are screaming, I cannot live like this anymore. These hours are not sustainable. The money isn't worth it. If you miss your kids growing up, how did I let myself get here? I hate what I do but I have no other options. So instead of listening to our intuition or facing the screaming voices in our heads, we instead settle back with Netflix for just one more episode at 1 a.m. while we drink ourselves to death because nothing ever changes. Or even worse, our addiction of choice ultimately and ironically becomes the work itself. So to drown out the voices even further, we just do more work. How many times have you had the following conversation with a coworker? Hey, it's really late. You should head out. See your kids. Get some sleep. Nah, it's all good. I'm going to keep plugging away. Big deadline tomorrow. And you walk away having that sinking suspicion that no matter how bad things might be at the office, things are clearly even worse for this person at home, most likely because of work. This, my friends, is our present version of severance. And here's the most terrifying part of all. Our inability to balance work and life, it's not a flaw in a broken system, it's a feature. We already accept unreasonable amounts of workplace exploitation and abuse as quote unquote normal. After only a few days in the office, Helly R may not understand yet how she ended up in the bowels of Lumen, but Mark S, again, played by Adam Scott, has been there for over a year, and he has adjusted to being an inconsequential widget in a much larger machine. And by adjusted, I mean that he has become subservient to the exploitation and abuse that Lumen dishes out on an hourly basis. There's one poignant scene where Mark's boss, played by Patricia Arquette, throws a coffee mug at his head in an outburst of rage, but then has the audacity to frame the abuse as a teachable moment, saying, what I just did was something I knew you could handle and grow from. It was very painful for me. I hope that you'll let it help you. Mark's offense? He didn't fill out a common space reservation slip to take his new team member, Heliar, to the perpetuity wing. Severance seriously takes TPS reports to a whole new bizarro level. This passive aggressive of manipulation <clears throat> leadership is just one of many ways that the management team at Lumen controls their workers. 
Whether it's designing an office space plan that's akin to casinos and underground labyrinths, whereby Lumen employees lose all sense of time and space, not to mention any external reminder that the outside world even exists, or having countless arbitrary policies in their compliance handbook. One example being that they don't allow workers to doze off even for a moment, and of course, for fear of the subconscious reconnecting the innies to their outies, or being locked into your cubicle area to prevent fraternizing with other departments, which as department manager Milchik, who's played by Trammell Tillman, explains with an eerie smile, I prefer the term safely situated. And don't even get me started on the break room and its involuntary indoctrination of corporate culture. It is clear that Lumen has anything but the well-being of their workers in mind. Even worse than the obvious abuses listed above, the more egregious abuses are the dangling carrots disguised as incentives to maintain community, fulfillment, and loyalty. Whether it's Chinese finger traps, melon and defiant jazz dance parties, the bizarro experience that is a quote-unquote wellness session, or the end-of-quarter waffle party, which is essentially a scene straight out of Eyes Wide Shut minus the boobs, it is painfully obvious the tactics that Lumen uses to keep workers towing the line to maintain maximum levels of productivity are no different than the passive-aggressive manipulation, empty praise, and sense of false loyalty that we presently endure from countless studios and corporations. Hey, so sorry we don't have the budget for overtime, but we've got free pizza, and this is going to look great in your portfolio. Oh my God, thank you so much for achieving this miracle. Now that you've done it once, why don't you go ahead and do that every single day? Why, why don't you do it with less time and less money? Thanks. When this project is over, there are definitely plenty more projects coming down the line with better budgets. We're totally gonna keep you in mind. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. I have already written extensively how even before the pandemic, normal wasn't working and how none of us wanted to return to the way that we did business in the before times. Unfortunately, every dire prediction that I made in that mid-2020 article has come true, and we can now only dream of things being as good as they were pre-pandemic. Don't believe me? 
Spend just five minutes scrolling through the endless horror stories about the toxic workplace abuses in Hollywood in the IA Stories Instagram account. The only thing more horrifying than the amount of workplace exploitation that we deem normal nowadays is the fact that we will sacrifice anything to provide maximum value to the system that is destroying all of us. We already worship productivity above our own lives. Despite his best efforts, his reciting of core lumen principles, or his incessant micromanaging, Mark simply cannot convince Heliar to toe the line and become one of them. After numerous attempts to escape, after trying to pass messages to her Audi, and after receiving a message from her Audi in return that says, I am a person and you are not. I make the decisions, you do not. Heliar decides that the only way to reintegrate, i.e. unsever, and escape the living hell that is her job is via suicide. Shortly after, Mark finds Heliar in the elevator dangling from a surge protector fashioned as a makeshift noose, and he rushes in to save her. Security then frantically appears, screaming, get in the elevator, knowing that Mark will immediately transform from Innie to Audi upon arrival at Lumon's ground floor. When he exits the elevator, he has absolutely no idea what just transpired moments ago, and he is very kindly greeted by the night security manager saying, Mr. Scott, have a good evening, in which Mark simply replies, same to you. Upon Mark's return to the office the next morning, which to his brain feels like moments later, he finds both his boss and direct supervisor waiting for him. His first question is frantically asking, is she alive? and they respond by sitting him down as if the whole suicide attempt was his fault, mentioning that she will be back at her desk in a few days and concluding with, have a productive day. This is about an in-your-face a reminder as we can get that we are all replaceable in 24 hours or less. We are valued as long as we are productive. Once we are no longer productive, we become expendable widgets. Productivity in our culture has achieved cult-like status. At the tap of a screen, we have instant access to literally millions of to-do list apps, project management systems, and all the latest tech to make our lives easier. So then why is everything just getting even more impossible? Our newfound belief that productivity is simply about working smarter instead of harder only gets us so far without also having clear boundaries in our lives to use the extra time that we have created for good instead of just for more work. If being productive actually led to more sleep, more quality time with our kids, and the time that we can never find to exercise, I would be all for maximizing productivity. Yet instead of parlaying our ability to work smarter into time for activities that allow us to recover and re-energize, we instead use the time that we saved to instead deliver the next miracle for our overlords. Our ambition does not earn us a promotion or any meaningful recognition, but in fact, it backfires and turns today's miracle into tomorrow's expectation. Cue the endless need for quiet quitting to have some semblance of guardrails protecting us from workplace exploitation. But again, maximizing productivity at the expense of our well-being, it's not a flaw in the system, it is the system until we all collectively decide that we are no longer expendable. So how do we reintegrate, meaning unsever? While it is yet to be seen at the end of season one what those at Lumen can do to unsever themselves, for us, I believe the solution is much clearer. 
There is only one way that we change the system, and that is by all of us collectively agreeing that the way we work is no longer acceptable. As long as we are replaceable by those willing to endure the exploitation and abuse that we are not, the cycle will simply continue. But ultimately, without us, the work simply doesn't get done. Without boundaries, we aimlessly travel the road towards burnout. Without boundaries, we work so many nights in a row that we end up falling asleep behind the wheel on the way home. And for some, that literally becomes their last night on earth. And without boundaries, our careers are cut years or even decades short because we become jaded, cynical, and no longer have any energy or creative passion to do the job that we once had so much passion for. Reversing the cycle is not going to be easy, but the solution is very simple. Instead of saying yes, we simply say no. Thank you for listening to the reading of my latest article titled, If We Don't Do Something About Workplace Burnout, Severance Will Be the New Quiet Quitting, which is available to read with all the links and resources mentioned at optimizeyourself.me slash severance. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.